Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton, and I am like swooning and fangirling over the guests, plural S, yes, plural S, the guests I have today. Um, I have Dylan and Emily, and Dylan and I worked together back in 2020. Yep, like right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, we worked together. Um <clears throat> With relationship anxiety stuff i'll let him tell a story um and then i have his beautiful wife here as well and today they're going to pull back the curtain on what it's like navigating relationship anxiety or rocd as a couple and all that you can learn about yourself all that you can learn about relationships through that process and how relationship anxiety or rocd doesn't have to be a death sentence for your relationship um so yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation today. So I'll let them have the floor. Thank you so much, Dylan and Emily, for being here. Yes. For having us. Thank you. Excited. Yay. It's good to talk about, honestly. It does. It does. Say more, say more about that. Why, why does it feel good to talk about? Well, I feel like I um I haven't really, I wasn't very outspoken spoken about my my relationship anxiety and my ROCD. Um even a couple years after working with you and even after we got engaged and even after we got married, there were still like a very, um, there were very few people that I wanted to talk about it with still. And I think, I think part of that is because I still had this fear, this, like, there was still a part of me that had this fear that I'm like, it's not relationship anxiety and that someone's going to, you know, confirm my fears and, or I'm going to disagree with somebody or they're going to disagree with me. And, um, and so I just like did not, I just still didn't really want to talk too much about it. Um, but kind of the more we've kind of learned, the more we've opened up about it and the more I've opened up about it, the more I've had conversations with, men who may not even identify like with fully having ROCD or relationship anxiety, but they can totally identify with uh, a sect of, you know, what I've felt and, you know, and some of the tools that mm -hmm. helped you. Mm -hmm. I think on, on my end, I felt like it was, it was, I feel like um, it was his story to tell. So I didn't really want to go around sharing something about him that he didn't feel comfortable sharing himself yet. Um, I wanted to kind of give him the space to have his own timeline with that, even though it really heavily affected me. And I'm a songwriter. So for a living, I talk about what's going on in my life and in my relationships. And that was really hard for me to kind of have to hold back um, in doing that because I also 
um, I think I kind of feared the same thing he did, but on the opposite end. Um, I remember telling someone when we first got back together and he first kind of learned that he struggled with ROCD, like, I remember telling someone I was writing with about it and they said, you need to get out. Like you need to leave now. Like you shouldn't, you don't want to have to deal with that. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't tell people about this. Like they're not going to understand. Um, they're not going to understand. And so I think I, I became pretty protective about um, just letting it kind of unfold in the timeline that it was supposed to. And that, um, once he became more confident about it and had a better handle on it, um, and he wanted to talk about it, then I could kind of talk about it. But I do think that has been an aspect of my journey too, is just not being able to feeling kind of isolated myself as the partner of someone who, who struggled with it. Um, we could talk more about that later, I guess, but that's one of the reasons that I kind of held back and talking about it. So now that he's kind of becoming, more comfortable sharing it. Um, it's kind of giving me a lot of freedom to be able to talk about my experience with it. And I think the proof is in the pudding as far as like us being married now, like that was a really big deal. Um, him even proposing to me was a really big deal for us. So, um, I feel like we are living proof that it's not a death sentence, like you said, and, and that just creates this like safe encouraging place to be able to talk about it um yeah yeah it's cool it's just it feels good to be able mm -hmm. to be open about it it does i love this so much and what you're both speaking to is like the shame and stigma around what it means to deal with ocd or what it means to be with someone who has ocd and yeah i'm just hearing like so many people have immediate judgments Mm -hmm. about yeah. this experience god i'm like noticing like like a pain in my heart around that yeah 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 and i think it i think we're at a, like a really interesting time in like our um culture too to where it's like everybody is kind of like i don't want to say woke but like kind of like like mental health and like emotional health is on the forefront of a lot of people's minds and it's like totally on so the social media you know craze and like it's it's easy to like most people when you speak the lingo like can get it you know what i mean it's not like you're talking to like your parents about inner child work or you know and they're like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> like most people understand it. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, it's interesting because there is such a, like, if it's not your truth or if it's not like, if you, if it's your gut or if, you know, you know, like don't go against it and like, you just got to make you happy. And I think which which it's like a double-edged sword but like we've even seen you know there's just a lot of people that like that who who live that way like fully like in every single decision they make and it just you can see that like sometimes it serves them and sometimes it just really doesn't and so it's like not one way or the other 100 percent um and 
yeah, just, I don't know. I just, yeah. I think even like that woman who said, you need to get out. It's like, yeah. Mm. Tell someone like, yeah, my boyfriend struggles with this thing called RCD and he basically obsesses over my enoughness, my rightness. I mean, I think to like a thinker in our culture where it's like you're chasing a feeling and you're trying to find the one, like the perfect one for you who worships you like your dad does or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I I think like that is a red flag. Honestly, like it's, it, it was a hard pill for me to swallow even at first of like, wait, like I feel really hurt by the fact that you keep questioning me, but I'm supposed to just accept that it's because mm. you care. like, that's like definition of get, get the freak out. You know what I mean? And and that's like kind of what you're taught and it's like the stigma. And it's like, I just think, um, I had people who are just in love with the idea of like, the feeling and the fantasy and finding the one for you, the one who makes you feel like your best self and the best, whatever, like that's what this relationship is, but just in a, a really raw, maybe unconventional way that I think reveals some like really beautiful truths about love as a choice that I don't think we would have learned otherwise. But I think if you're just casually telling people that, um, they're not going to understand like right off the bat. It's, it sounds like something it isn't, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, and what your boss is speaking to there is like the lack of nuance. Mm-hmm. Like yes. Dylan, you were saying like, oh, you know, follow your gut and, you know, don't do anything that doesn't make you happy. It's like in the right context, that's beautiful advice. Yes. I think that's like, we swung the pendulum to the opposite extreme. You know, you have some, like the boomer generation is, kind of marked by constantly suppressing, constantly suppressing, suppressing. And then you have this pendulum swing of like, don't do anything that doesn't make you happy. If you have any, like, if there's any red flags, if there's any issues, get out. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you're like, even the nuance of, okay, yeah, in one context, someone who's constantly questioning your enoughness and is not committed in one context, sure. Exactly. And in this context, there's so much more nuance mm-hmm. and there's more to the story than just that one piece of information. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. Yeah. And you can't, unless you're willing to sit there and tell someone the whole story from start to finish and yeah. the way he was raised and the way I was totally. raised, it's just like, you're not going to just casually say like, oh yeah, this is the biggest thing happening in my life right now. And uh, let me tell you about it in the cliff note. It's just that you can't sum it up in the cliff notes. There's so much gray and so much nuance and so much beauty in that but I think um yeah it's it's hard to talk about with someone who you know in a in a short concise yeah. way that'll make them fully understand like the gravity of all of it yeah and that's why like any sort of relationship advice like on social media I'm a huge proponent of this like one little snippet of advice yeah like you said it's just a cliff note that's just yeah. one piece yeah. You're not getting the full story. You're not getting the full picture of the context in which that advice applies. Right. I think yeah. we all see these little snippets of advice. Trust your gut. Or if he doesn't love you, then leave. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like we see that and we don't see the context in which that applies. And we're like, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong here? Right. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And so, yeah, let's, let's kind of break this down a bit more. We'll start with, um, I want to hear a bit more about like, Dylan's experience 
So I think it's going to be helpful for listeners who identify with your side of the story. And then we'll move to, you know, what it was like for you, Emily, for those who are partners of those with ROCD. Um, yeah. So Dylan, if you yeah. can share as much or as little as you want about yeah. what you are. <laughs> as much or as little. I'm a proponent for telling it all. <laughs> Very Until... All. She is, she is, but (laughs) until she's not. And it's like, (laughs) I remember I posted something about like her not being my type and really struggling with that. And she was like, I was was like, that's like the bare minimum, really. He's like, girl, if you're mad about that, it's going to be a lot juicier than that. Yeah. It's like, uh, you're freaking out about, (laughs) we've had way worse conversations than that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I posted something once where I was like, I'm a deep spiritual thinker, and Matt's very like matter of fact. Like, you make me sound like I'm dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, yeah, it's anyways. Um so it for me, it all kind of started like I knew I definitely had signs of OCD when I was a kid. Um with various things like I had some sensory motor OCD with feelings I had a, like with physical like ticks sensations in my body um I had some ticks that kind of went along with that that like it's funny like they, they were phases where like I remember I did this like weird gyration with my neck and my hands like for like three months and I could not shake it and my parents and my sister still like thought it was the funniest little phase that I had. Yeah. But um, and then I grew up in a really religious home. Um, my parents were pastors for a while and um in a in a really conservative church. And I always had this um this fear of going to hell. So I I had some some serious guilt when it came to that. So um these I, OCD was just like I think just genetic like I had it it was in my brain and then um the lighter fluid was some of my uh religious backgrounds and stuff like that and then um when I got into high uh high school I had my first girlfriend my junior year and um we I we like fell head over heels I was like I'm gonna marry this girl it was it was like it seemed like we dated for like five years we literally dated a little over a year and um I remember the start of my anxiety came probably like eight or nine months in and it would uh it hit me like right when I woke up in the morning and I remember like this one morning I woke up and I just had this like dread like I woke up with dread and I had this feeling of disdain is the best way I can put it. It was like this feeling of disdain for her. And that started my obsession with like, how do I get rid of this feeling? I felt so much shame, so much guilt because of just the relate, the dynamic of our relationship. And I like promised this girl, the world and, um, I just felt so much guilt and so much shame. And that started the OCD, ROCD cycle. Um, And I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was crying all the time. Like I would break down in front of her. 
and she didn't know what was going on. Um, and then I ended up breaking up with her. Um, and she actually followed me to college. Like she was already following me to, to college because I played baseball in college and she followed me to the college that she would have never gone to, <laughs> uh, if she wasn't dating me. So I just felt a ton of shame and we get to school, we break up and, um, she ends up dating some other guys and stuff. But I just remember ever since then, every single girl I dated, I was constantly like, I was searching for this feeling like immediately out of the gates. Like it didn't matter. I always like had the feeling from afar as you see somebody you're interested in and you know, you're like, Ooh, you know, I like all these butterflies, like all these feelings come up. But as soon as I would get the opportunity at dating and stuff, it would start that disdain feeling would come back as soon as I started to get to know them. And, um, I would like break up with girl after girl after girl. And, you know, most of the time, like I'd be dating a girl and then I would see another girl that I thought was actually like the one or actually perfect for me. And then um, I would go for that girl and like, not to be any type of way, but like sometimes I would, I would get that girl too. After I would break up with the previous girl to like find, you know, the perfect match. And then a month or two in same feeling, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and have this like disdain and just be like, Oh no, here it goes again. And like, I felt like, I felt like a, um, metaphorically, I felt like a, like serial killer. Like I could not, not break up with these girls and not break their hearts. Like I felt like a serial soul crushing, like good Christian boy who has the best intentions, but ends up just absolutely destroying these girls in, in the long run. Um, and so that lasted for probably 10 years. Um, yeah, it probably lasted for 10 years. My my entire 20s, I just turned 30. So all of my 20s, uh, college, post-college. Um, and then I met her. And um, we had, ROCD aside, she, like we kind of had a rocky start <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> That definitely didn't, it definitely didn't help. It definitely didn't help, but, um, but can I tell him how she had, of course I totally was, I totally (laughs) was, but, but we, you know, she like, she was just as resistant. She was more resistant than I was actually at the beginning. And that made me more interested in her and more, you know, you know how that goes. And, um, long story short, like we kind of talked and dated for a year and then we, and then we actually started dating and I, once again, here it came. And so I broke up with her, uh, how, like four months in, four months in. Yeah. I broke up with her. We had known each other almost, almost two years before we started dating and you never felt that way in those two years. Yep. Um, because we never really like yeah, we never like we never like fully we sent were never it. in a relationship. Yeah. She was still this like mysterious songwriter to me. Mm-hmm. Um and so we end up breaking up and uh we don't talk for a month. 
like nothing or was it two months? months oh was it three months three months okay we didn't do nothing gotta tell them we didn't do <laughs> we didn't have any communication or nothing and um and then my we ran I had heard from a friend that she had been camping out at this coffee shop and so I started camping out there and uh and my sister had been trying to like kind of weasel us to get back together because they were still friends and um we ended up meeting at this park to to talk about things and it's kind of funny the <laughs> one of the things that uh this is like a nightmare for someone with rocd or relationship anxiety but our first meeting back um to talk at this park she was like hey you know like like i said we hadn't talked at all and we were just like let's meet up and have some closure or just like let's just you know it's been three months let's talk about things and she she was like hey do you want coffee like i'm gonna get coffee um before we get there like do you want coffee and i was like yeah sure and she was like okay and I, she was like i remember how you like it and i was like okay cool like you know we dated for four months so she knew my coffee order or whatever i hate my coffee black i hate it like i'm i'm sipping her black coffee right now but just because it's caffeine but typically like if i'm gonna order coffee there's no chance in hell it's gonna be black i'm gonna put some cream in that and maybe throw a little <laughs> pump of hazelnut or something this girl brings me a straight black coffee and i thought i'm telling you here we go she doesn't even know me she doesn't even like she doesn't even know me i was so nervous we had not talked in three months i was heartbroken when you broke up with me and i just was shaking it was a miracle i even made it out of the house to meet you much less remember to get you coffee so yeah i messed up the order my bad. um but anyways we we talked we went on like a four-hour hike and we talked and i just remember feeling like we were gonna possibly we were gonna you know it was like in the air like are we gonna do this again are we gonna try again and i remember being so scared because i felt like i had zero control over my breakup bridges like just i didn't have control um and so like i felt like if i said yes then i was signing her up for another like dose of heartbreak and um that i think that that was a big and that still is a big root of shame in my personality i think a little bit is is hurting somebody in that area which is weird because sometimes i can be a, a bully but like <laughs> but just like when it when it came to dating i just hated breaking up with people like i hated it and so i felt so much shame and guilt about that um but we ended up dating and the first couple of months were just terrible i mean it was just like they're awful i can't it, believe we were still there after them yeah it we just some days where we went to bed thinking i can't believe we're still together after today yeah like why <laughs> and then that's when um she left my house one time and i remember i got on google and i just started like why do I feel this way? Why, why do I keep breaking up with my girlfriend? Why? And like, when you wade through all the articles about how they're not the one for you and, and all that stuff, like I just miraculously stumbled upon this, um, this article by a psychologist about OCD. It was like a really insightful article. It was really good. It wasn't like a Reddit page about it. It was like an actual like psychology 
I don't know if it was psychology today, but it was, it was a reputable source. And this lady was talking about it and I read it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly how I feel. Like this is exactly what I've been dealing with for the past 10 years. And I remember I sent it to my mom and she called me cause you know, I'd been telling my mom, like, I don't know what's going on. I like over those 10 years, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, um, and so once I kind of felt like self-diagnosed myself on that, I started becoming aware of um, Awakening to Love, that Instagram page. And I started looking at some of their stuff and I was like, wow, this is like really helpful. And I started reading people's experiences that were like totally spot on with mine and feelings and urges. And I just felt super seen. And, and I definitely went through a, a phase of, uh, of, um, compulsion, like oh, central, especially when you first, you know, when you first discover it, you just can't help, but read like all the comments about, yes, me too. What about this? You know, and they do a really good job of not giving into compulsions like the, you know, those, uh, Kiyomi and stuff. Um, but you know, it's hard not to really dive into that. And then she had posted, I think she had maybe posted like your profile as a, a, a another source because they just had so many clients and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I set up a meeting with you. Yep. I set up a meeting with you um right in the heat of COVID. And we had a little introduction. And it's actually funny. Um sorry, I know I'm taking up a long time. Um I was signed up to go to this and in Tennessee, there's this, um, this like really intense, intensive therapy, like group therapy session, uh, place called onsite. And it's, it's pretty expensive. And I had like, I booked, I think like a five day retreat, like group therapy intensive to try to help with this stuff. And it was, it was pretty expensive and I'd already put down my deposit and, um, COVID hit, they pushed it back. And I remember I was like, you know what, I'm going to work one-on-one with the coach. I'm going to get a refund. And and that's when I met you. And so it was perfect timing. I got my money back from them and that was it. And then we started working together and then the, then the work continued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you got your hands dirty and like, yep. yeah, it sounds like, you know, for those 10 years, you didn't really investigate that disdain feeling. It was just yep. like, oh, this must mean that she's totally. not the one, I'm in the wrong relationship. Because that's really all we hear totally. out there about like feelings and how you're supposed yeah. to feel X, Y, and Z way, which is so subjective. But it sounds like you came to a point where you're like, I have to investigate and become curious to see like more. I have to look beyond the surface here of what's going on. Yeah. And And I, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, I think even more than like, I, I had zero curiosity because I had zero, um, I had zero grace for myself. So it was like, there was zero grace for my feeling. And all I wanted to do was get that feeling out. So there was, yes, there was exactly. There was no room for curiosity of just like, oh, interesting. Like, let's dig into that. Let's explore that. I don't have to do anything. Like, this is, this is fine. 
it was, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like the house is on fire. If I don't grab everything and leave right now, yeah. then, and, and metaf- like not even like leave the relationship, but like metaphorically speaking, like if I don't get rid of this fire with a, a fire extinguisher, mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, we're going to go down in flames and it always did. Um, and so, but that was the key part for me was like, I just had no grace for myself to just like chill out. Mm-hmm. Um, and just yeah. not the way I never was taught was never. Yeah. 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 We're not taught how to sit with uncomfortable feelings. Totally. We're taught like, I got to get rid of this. I've got to no. avoid it. I've got to numb it. Yeah. Uh, or it means there's something wrong with me and yeah. my choices. If I have this feeling versus yeah. like, it's an emotion and you're yeah. a human being. And right. we can just be with these emotions in our yep. body yep. without making these horror stories. Cause that's what would happen is you're, you'd get a feeling and your brain would be like, here's what's happening and here's what it means. And yeah, everything's on fire. You need to get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what was, what was like maybe two or three like key things that really helped shift your experience of your ROCD to where you could feel that trust to be able to like commit to the relationship. Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things initially, especially was just feeling like I wasn't alone. That was really big for me. Just feeling like I wasn't completely like on an Island. Um, I definitely still felt a little on an island because most it it seems like on social media most of the people who struggle with RCD are females. Um so I definitely I definitely struggled with that aspect. Um but it was still nice to know that I wasn't alone. Um the second thing that really helped um you know working with you was like ch- being able to work with somebody and witness my feelings and become like practice awareness and just getting to the, to a place where I was truly present with somebody else and experience just even for like a couple moments, some clarity um, without and we and some of our sessions, I like I remember we had one session where it was just like we had a I had a bad session and it was just like we didn't really have there was nothing to do. I was just like spiraling. And there was just like a, you know, it was just it just was what it was. And and um, but it was just good to it for it to be okay that I was spiraling. And it just, you know, I didn't have to fix anything or change anything. And I think that leads to the third and and probably the most powerful for me was this idea of acceptance and not chasing feelings. Like, I think that for me was the big, it, it still is sometimes like, I'm like chasing feelings subconsciously is really tricky to, to it's, it's really tricky to, to stop and to become aware of. And it does take a lot of, it does take a lot of work and a lot of um, awareness and practicing 
becoming aware of your thoughts throughout the day and your motives. And you really do have to become aware to even know that you're subconsciously chasing feelings. But one of the things that really helped is when I realized that I was constantly chasing feelings all the time. Like, how do I feel? How do I feel right now in this situation? Uh, you know, before this date, how do I feel? You know, when I pick her up, how do I feel when I drop her off? How do I feel? I'm driving home. How do I feel? Um, that was just constant. And when I started becoming better at like, not that being the focal point of my existence, things started to open up a little bit. And I started really like, I feel like our, like it, I was able to develop a stronger friendship with her because it was less about how she makes me feel like it's kind of selfish. You know, it's like, why Why does she have to make me feel these like mm, yeah like giving feelings all the time why am I so unhappy with just myself that I like that the absence of these you know on a like these these youth group hot church high like mountaintop god high feelings or that those feelings I had in high school when I was 17 and I hadn't even like kissed a girl or you know like of course those feelings were and I'm not discounting that relationship like that relationship served its purpose and it was beautiful but like expecting to have the, that physical reaction and those feelings all the time is just I don't know it, it, it was just you know it's just it's debilitating and it's like a jail cell yeah yeah. And there's like one part, it's like you were looking to Emily to take responsibility. Like it was her job to make oh. you feel a certain way. And then there was also like an intense meaning placed on certain feelings. Like there was a formula like, okay, if I feel this certain way, then I know I'm yep. in the right relationship and doing the right thing. If yep. I don't feel this way, then that means I'm doing something wrong. So it was like your brain was always looking for like the formula of like, it, I know that I'm okay if I'm feeling this thing. And so if I'm yes. not feeling that thing, I'm not okay. And I need to immediately do something about it. And yep. versus like leveling the playing field of all emotions and like letting them each be what they are yep. versus putting some on a pedestal and banishing some and saying they're, they mean something bad. Totally. Yeah. Huge. Totally. So, so Emily, what was it like being on the other end of this? She's tapping her legs. I'm like, oh gosh. I'm ready to tell your story. No, I'm not. I'm just like, as you're talking, I'm re-watching it, like a it. movie in my brain. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I had known Dylan as a friend, like, and there was a never- a problem and I remember even when he broke up with me it was very out of the blue it was it was like he I remember he posted a picture of me at 4 p.m and dumped me at 7 p.m and it was just like whiplash I was like, oh my god what he went to a friend's house to say goodbye because the friend was moving and he texted me like we need to talk can you come out I'm like is everything okay and it's like didn't respond and I thought oh no I had that feeling of dread in my stomach of like wait, we just kissed and had a great time like three hours ago. What happened? And um, yeah, he, he broke up with me. I remember like 
he was crying before I even got in the car. He, I could see how much it hurt him to break up with me. And I think, um, that was confusing for me, but it was also like, um, an opportunity for me to kind of, it was a, I think it was an important moment for us because I realized how much I actually loved him in that moment, not in a feeling way, but in like a, I genuinely care more about this person getting what they need, getting the help they need than me getting what I want. And I was very honest with him. And I told him, like, I thought I was going to marry you. Like, I'm not going to leave anything unsaid. Like, you need to know if you're going to leave. This is your decision. It's not mine. This is not what I want. But, but like, real love is, if that means letting you go, like, okay, go do what you got to do. And then um, we did not speak for three months. And I think in those three months, I had some things to work on, too. I think, like, I have an incredible relationship with my dad. And I, I love him very much. He's very, he treats me like I literally hung the moon. Um, I joke sometimes that my dad made me feel like I could jump off a cliff and I would survive because I am somehow magical enough that I would grow wings to just start flying. Like, and I think that's an incredible unconditional love that I've gotten from my dad, but I just have always looked at my dad as this immovable figure. And I think in my life with men, like I really wanted the same thing out of a guy. And so like Dylan, I would always tell him like, you're so confident. I love how confident you are. And he like later shared with me that me telling him he was confident all the time made him feel like that's what I wanted. And that's what he had to be for me. And he couldn't show those moments of anxiety or show those moments of weakness to me. And I feel like when he broke up with me that night, it was kind of him revealing this double life he'd been living to me. Like I've been so anxious. I've been losing weight and it was news to me, but, um, you know, just to know that he had been hiding that, um, was really eye opening to me. And so in those three months that we didn't talk, I think God did work with me too. I remember reading this Brene Brown book and her talking about shame. Um, I think it was daring greatly, uh, and her talking about shame and this experience she had, you can read it, but the man who came to her and said, Hey, I love the stuff you've done with women in shame, but if you've, have you looked into men in shame? Because the women in our lives, like you guys want these emotional, vulnerable men, but you can't stomach it when we finally are that way. And I remember reading that and almost like this light bulb going off in my head of like, wow, I never created that space for Dylan when we were together. And I definitely took those three months and said, we, I don't think we had plans of getting back together. I, I, was moving on as if we were never going to get back together. But I do remember reading that and telling myself, like, if I ever, you know, end up getting back together with this person, I'm always going to make like an effort to be a safe place for him to be weakened. Um, because I didn't feel like I gave him that in those first four months. Um, I lacked vulnerability. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I, you know, kind of had to grow in as well. So it's not like he was just like the total villain in the situation. And I think like, that's the thing about relationships is it really for them to work. It really requires a level of self analyzation that is not comfortable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had to do my own self analysis. Um, but when we did get back together, um, it was really hard. I mean, I remember the first couple of weeks, just like there were these, 
remember that time I was like, I just think I'm better than you. Yeah, literally. Like I remember him being in the car and him like, you don't even want to know the things I think about you. And I'm like, like what? Like what could you? And he's very lucky. I'm very a very confident, probably to a fault person. I was so scared. To but tell you also, that. yeah. And I remember him being like, I think I'm better than you. And he had tears in his eyes. And I'm like, it was the weirdest mix of like anger, like pity like I felt bad that he was crying like I could tell it hurt him to think that about me but I'm like no you're not I can list like 20 reasons why you're not better than me <laughs> what are you talking about the this 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 I was like I'm way better than you what are you talking about so I think like <laughs> there's an element of um of that I remember I just remember it being really hard I remember but I remember this one day he said hey I want you to read this and he showed me an article about RSCD and it listed, it had a section of it where it listed the thoughts that people with RSCD have. And um, it was absolutely devastating to me to know that the person I was with was thinking these things about me, especially coming from a place where in my brain, like my husband's or my boyfriend's supposed to love me like my dad and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I think I was projecting that onto him and I had to learn like, your husband and your dad are not the same. <laughs> and the love between a husband and wife is actually pretty conditional compared to the love of a, a father and a kid. And there, there's a lot of learning and nuance that, that goes into all of that. But it just was, I just really got to a place where I was like, oh my gosh, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, I'm not going to be enough for this person. I remember going on a trip and him picking me up and we hadn't seen each other in like a week. And he picked me up and I was so excited to see him because I was, I hadn't seen my boyfriend in a week. I was really excited to see him. And I was, you know, as the girl that I am, like hoping he was excited to see me too. And I remember he picked me up and it was horrible energy, just a horrible vibe. And like, come to find out he was in his head that he didn't feel like I missed you enough. Like he missed me enough when I was gone. And so it took probably an hour and a half, two hours for the wall up to go away. And it, it was like many rejections everywhere I turned. It just felt like many rejections. And um, there were truly some days where I remember this one day we went to the air park that day. It was so heavy. Like just even the energy, it was just so heavy of like something is seriously wrong here. And I remember we walked in literal silence for hours and did not talk. And we finally like, I walked off my way. He walked off his way. I was so angry at him for thinking these things about me. I was so like, I was to a place of like, very surrendered in front of God. Like I remember praying like, God, help me hold on or help me let go. Cause I don't know what else I can physically do here to be enough for this person in this situation. And, um, I just went off and I sat in the field by myself and I remember he came and he sat next to me. I just felt like his warm body next to me. And it was this little tiny moment of choice. Like neither one of us were feeling connected, but it was this little miniature moment of him choosing to be next to me. And I remember going to bed that night and nothing was necessarily fixed, but we survived the day. And I remember being absolutely shocked that we did not break up that day. And the next morning it was like, okay, we're still together. I guess mm. it's another day of these little miniature choices. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I 
one of my weaknesses in relationships was that I would dim my light or like change myself to keep the peace with the person I was dating. And so, um, I think the key to my growth was to dare to trigger him. Hmm. I think, um, the key to my growth was to do what I want, say what I want, not in a shocking pendulum way, but in a true to myself way, no matter how it made him feel, it was not my responsibility to fit into the mold of what his anxiety would be able to handle. Um, that was the key to my growth. And I had to continuously show up and do that um, and make those little choices for myself every day. And the key to his growth was staying in those moments. And uh, so it required a lot of work from both of us, but it I actually can't with words describe how refining and fulfilling it was to the point of like, we had to learn love as a choice. We've never learned love as a feeling. I remember even, remember that date we went on and I was, I sobbed and you're like, do you want to go home? And I was like, no, we're going on the date. And we're sitting in the car outside of this restaurant and he's like crying. And he's like, I'm just never going to feel the way about you that I did about my first girlfriend. And I was like, no shit. I'm not your first girlfriend. I'm like your 20th girlfriend. Like, what the heck? Why are you expecting me to make you feel that? Like, I'm not your first. And I remember we were both sobbing and we just sat in the car, let it air out for a minute. He was like, do you want to go home? I'm like, no, we're going on the date. We go in, we ate a good meal. And it was another day of like surviving, you know? And the next day, like accepting each other a little more and understanding a little more and like letting go a little more. and it just was like, it's really hard to put into words the last four years of our life being in that practice of these little decisions that have just built this foundation of trust and choice and, um, growth. I mean, just in really insane ways. I don't know. I don't know. But, but also like, or, and also you as a songwriter, write With people who've been married for 10 20 30 years and they'll describe yeah. some of the like some of the things they're working through in their marriage and it's like and i'm like well we dealt with that week one i'm like you're 10 years in doing this like we we're talking about i think one of the things like and i was obsessed with feelings too like being a writer like i'm a creative like we my job i literally get paid to over analyze every little emotion and blow it up into a three-minute thing that people can listen to worldwide and and connect with emotionally. And so like I work in emotions and I think um, for me to sit with people every day who, um, you know, and, and talking to them about their relationships in their life and to hear them say like, yeah, you know, we're, we've been married 30 years and I just, I don't feel it anymore. And I'm, I, you know, got to get out. It was just kind of like, very eye-opening to me where I thought, wow, like what Dylan and I are learning through him struggling with RCD applies to any relationship, whether you have RCD or not, that was just the vessel for us to learn this. But love, like real love is when you want to build something that lasts and you want to build something eternal, that's going to last beyond your life even 
It's sacrificial. It's hard. It's raw. It doesn't make you feel good all the time. And there is a sense of commitment and accountability and a willingness to self-analyze and a willingness to show up and a willingness to grow that needs to be present for it to be healthy. But by no means is it supposed to make you feel amazing all the time. Love is a choice. It completely Love is completely stripped of its power when you take the choice out of it, when it's easy to choose because you feel it all the time. And so um, it's just been like really incredible to connect with other couples and and just people in life in general and be able to like have this new understanding of love that whether you have RCD or not, I mean, that's just how we learned this lesson. Um, but I think there are people who don't struggle with this, who this applies to every relationship. Like no matter how long you've been together, how long you've known each other, we've met some couples who like met and we're like, oh, they're the one. We feel amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And they still hit a wall at some point. We all do. Like we hit our wall week one. <laughs> I mean, that was just how it worked out for us. And, and we got a crash course in that. Um, but I, I say all the time, like the day he proposed to me was such a powerful day for me um, because it was the ultimate F you to everything I knew he struggled with. It was like the ultimate choice. And I knew that, you know, I've, I've had people ask me before, like, are you really insecure? Like knowing that your fiance or your husband or your boyfriend or whatever has thought these things about you. And I'm like, honestly, I feel more secure with him than I've ever felt with anybody because I've never had to wonder if he chooses me. If he chooses me now, he's going to choose me in 20 years, in 30 years. Like life's going to get hard. Shit's going to hit the fan. I know that we're going to go through like major valleys and we'll be on mountains, but I'm not saying we're past the hard part of our relationship by any means. But, um, if there's one thing I know about Dylan, it's that he's with me because he chose to be, not because I make him feel any kind of way. And that's the kind of thing that does last. Like as we're all going to get old, our looks are going to go. Our I've heard a quote one time, like you are married to five people in your life and they're all in the same body. But the tool and the practice of choosing somebody, no matter how you feel every day is, that's the kind of thing that withstands those kind of changes in life kind of coming at you. And, and that I knew I was walking into marriage with someone who was going to choose me. And that was the most secure feeling of it way outweighed anything. I know he sometimes thought about me, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I'm literally, literally tearing up because this is like, this is the golden nugget that we can all find like for those of us who experience relationship anxiety, if you actually like do the messy, uncomfortable work, like this is the gem that you find. And it's, it's like ROCD fast tracks you into learning stuff that, like you said, takes some people 10 years to finally learn those lessons. And, you know, I'm not here to downplay the pain of ROCD. And at the same time, it has given me so many gifts about what love is and what, yeah, what it means to choose someone. And I felt the same way about Matt. Like if he can stick with me through me literally pushing him away and breaking up with him multiple times, like if he can 
stick with me through that. This is someone who's in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is like, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So much in your story. Mm-hmm. We wow. would not have the relationship we have if you no. did not have our CD. Right. No. I'm honestly, it sounds so weird to say, but I say like, I'm so thankful he had it because yeah which is which is wild such a weird thing to say yeah which is wild to say because i felt for the last 10 years that this was like the bane of my existence yep and it would and and it would it's not like when i was single it it didn't show up like i was completely Mm -hmm. normal Mm -hmm. had so much confidence like you would never ever know it did not manifest in really any other way like it might rear its head like in a couple different ways but nothing like it did not overtake my life Mm -hmm. um the way it did when i was in a relationship so yeah it's like it yeah the intimacy of relationships like you can't hide from it it like pokes at any like fears about love and commitment and yeah. your own worthiness like it pokes at it to where you can't ignore it and it just like brings it all to the surface and that's the opportunity to like look at that and heal it and learn to like be with it differently or to yeah. like just keep repeating the pattern over and over yeah. believing that oh okay this here it just must not be the right person it must not be the right person it must not be yeah. I, gotta, I gotta keep looking i gotta keep looking yeah, yeah. And, and and there's like there's also such a grace in like God and the universe, whatever, whatever you think, like there's a grace in this world that even if you break up with a million people that could have been perfect fits for you because of RCD, there's still opportunity mm-hmm. and, and there's still going to be another opportunity to like to heal it and and work through it with somebody else or something you know like i remember just feeling so hopeless and there were told like in hindsight you know there were definitely some girls that i dated that if i would have known that i had rocd and i would have i could have taken the steps like i i it, it probably would have ended differently but i'm still i'm grateful that it didn't in a way you know because i would have never met her but it's also cool when it comes to like timing and feeling like you know people are like you know timing is so important and like it's all going to happen in time don't worry about it you know just let go timing 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 but like i i don't find it a coincidence that i stumbled across that article in the time that I did, like I, I was on a manhunt for what was going on for me with me for years. Yeah. Dating all those girls. And I never found anything. I just always found things that were like, break up, break up, break up. And to stumble across that when I was dating her is like, that is some of the magic of like, of, of feeling like this is, this was, this was what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yes. But, and it's also still yes. a work in progress. We are like, we have not arrived in any 
Oh no, we'll never arrive. No. I mean, what is arriving? I mean, right? yeah, no there's thing. no arriving at all. <laughs> totally. No such thing. But we have incredible tools that yeah. I don't think we had before. Mm-hmm. That uh, and I think we're also just natural communicators. Mm-hmm. I communicate for a living. I have to. Like it's how I. It's how I function is communicating and. He's a communicator. I'm so, so thankful to be married to a man who's willing to self-analyze and do the work. And I think like anyone listening to this, like, like kind of what we talked about earlier, that trumps so many things. Someone who's like, has a posture to learn, to be humble, to say, maybe this is me. Um, I think that's so powerful. I think you can be going through like the hardest things, the most intense assholery could be on display, (laughs) but that is something that truly money can't buy. And I think that's the difference between staying and leaving. Um, a situation is, is this person willing to grow? And am I willing to grow? I think like that's when a situation becomes bad of like, uh, maybe this isn't for me as if the person you're dealing with is not willing to self-analyze. They're not willing to grow. They're not willing to become with you. And I think um, that's just been such a powerful thing for us. I know you, you talked about, you know, growing love and, and he would, he would be like, one of the questions that he asked himself about me that I feel, I don't know where you heard yeah, it from. Yeah, Cheryl but- Paul. Quote. it was like can you can you is this person they might not be perfect for you but can you grow with love with them and the answer was yes for him and it's yes for me and it's just like it's a really bonding beautiful fulfilling relationship to become with somebody and not especially great because i grew up in church too and there there is this like glorified narrative of like you're a good little boy and you're a good little girl and you you become a woman of this and a man of this and a woman of this and a man with this. And then once you've reached the peak of who you're going to be, you boom, you meet like the perfect person for you. The sky opens up and God tells you who they are. And it's just like, not always true. Like I said, like we've had some friends who like, they didn't know right away and that's great for them. But um, I think it's so like beautiful and, and like the roots go so deep when you could become with somebody and you kind of, grow with each other into this into this beautiful thing and so um i think that for anyone on the opposite and like the partner of someone who struggles with this i think um their willingness to grow and their willingness to learn is like so huge as far as like is this a situation that i can grow in and survive in and become in and and is this life is this going to be life-giving i think the i was just so thankful to have like now the dogs are freaking out. I was so thankful to be with a man who was willing to do that. Yeah. That was really special for me. Like Life giving. It's like, yes, the work is hard and it's messy and it's emotional. And it's raw, but it is the result of that work life giving? Like, are, yeah. are you doing this work and it's improving the relationship or it's improving your awareness of yourself? Um, and that's kind of like how, you know, it's worth it. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah we're putting in the work and it's 
building us, it's making us stronger and it's deepening the connection and the trust that we have. Yes. And that takes, and that takes, that takes time. Oh yeah. Like, it's not like, I remember I kind of had these expectations of like feeling like it was going to be a, a like quick fix. Even after like some sessions where I felt like we really got to the bottom of some things and like, you know, you still don't necessarily, at least for me, I didn't necessarily like feel any different immediately or, you know, it wasn't like a flip switch of like, oh my gosh, I just got, I just got fixed. Like I just (laughs) want to, you know what I mean? Like I just went on a mushroom trip and like, I just completely changed my brain pathways um it's just like it was just it was just it it just I think this work is just very subtle yeah it's very very subtle subtle and it's very and it just takes time yeah and even when you feel like or I've, I've just experienced moments where like I've gone through phases where I haven't done any work because I'm just like, I don't want to do any more work. I'm exhausted. Yeah. And even then, when I feel like I'm coasting or just kind of numbing, even numbing out a little bit, there are still moments where like I'm still in it and I'm still growing and I'm still learning. And this is still good, even if I'm not actively like doing a ton of work around it. Yeah. Um. Cause it is easy to get burnt out on yes, the work. I was just going to say that like part of the work is not doing the work all the time and yeah. just living and giving it time yeah. and space to breathe and integrate and trust totally. that like it's sinking in whether yep. you're actively forcing it in right now or not. Yep. Yeah. And I, I love that emphasis on it's these like small little subtle changes. And you said that earlier, I mean like these little choices each yep. day. Yep. And I remember that. Yeah. And I remember there were periods where I was like, Dylan, do you not realize how much you've grown? Like I didn't at all. He did not realize. And I had to tell him because, and it wasn't even that like, I can't get in his brain. I don't like, I think that's kind of goes back to the grace thing too. Of Like at the end of the day, you know, the thoughts going through your brain, you know what you're thinking, but being on the other end of it, I could feel the shift. Like I could feel the wall evaporating you know like even if he was having the thought I on the other end of it like I wasn't feeling the effect of the thought he was having I was still feeling connected I wasn't feeling like he was pushing me away I wasn't feeling like there was a wall and that probably had something to do with my growth as well but I had to tell him sometimes like hey just so you know like the energy even the energy you're putting off when you're having these thoughts has shifted from the way it used to be. I used to feel like really just pushed away and I used to feel really disconnected and you're being hard on yourself because you're still having the thought, but just so you know, like it's not affecting me in the way that it used to. You've grown a lot. Like you're not allowing it to affect your whole atmosphere the way that you used to, whether you realize it or not. And then, um, yeah, so I yeah. I feel like there were moments where I had to be like, just so you know, you're doing really great. And learning too, like, it was a nuanced stance of like, 
you know, maybe I don't tell her that. I remember in the beginning, there was a lot more of like, he would tell me like, I thought this about you. I think this, I thought this about this other person. And I'm like, whoa, dude, I don't want to know that if I'm going to survive this with you, if I'm choosing to be in this with you, because I remember him telling me like, Emily, I can't grow in this single. He was like, the only way for me to grow in this is to be in a relationship and like be exposed to it. And, and so it, that was kind of on the front end, like me choosing to like, okay, I'm going to walk into this with you. And that, that was a choice on my end. Um, but yeah, just slowly over time realizing like, wow, he hasn't told me, he hasn't confessed something to me in a while, you know, like, wow, he didn't push me. He was happy to see me when he picks me up. Like just these little tiny, subtle moments of like, wow, that's growth. That's like change. And now we're like years into it. And it, I honestly forget about it. Sometimes I forget he has it sometimes or had it or what I, I don't exactly yeah. know. the lingo. It's not, it's not the third wheel in your relationship anymore. No, no. I, I, I think, you know, anxiety oh those things are always going to rear their ugly head sometimes yeah. i feel like just a few weeks ago we had a moment where i was like oh i forgot this was a thing you know yeah. what i mean and i was i had this day where i was just really hurt because i was like not that i thought it was gone but i it's been so long since i had one of those days where i just felt like that kind of rejection for no reason or like that unfair like thing um but even those days are like months in between like I, I forget I truly forget he struggles with it so I feel like yeah I I feel like I had to be your mouth your reminder mm-hmm. about how far you come like just being on the other end of it what I was getting from you was so different but you knew what was going on up in your head so yeah. you were being harder on yourself than you probably needed to be I think that's such an important thing you're speaking to Emily of like if you're a partner of someone with ROCD like mirror back to them when you notice their growth, because those of us with anxiety and OCD, we're, we're so critical of ourselves. We have mm-hmm. perfectionistic standards. And we like, Oh my God, the fact that I still had this thought means I'm still, ah, I'm not there yet. And we'll beat ourselves up. So to have your partner mirror back to you, like, Hey, you're killing it. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause I'm just remembering times of like, I, you know, someone would be like, how is your, you know how was your date and it'd be like I'd be like oh it was great it's only be like I mean it was good but like you know it definitely at the beginning was a little bit I'm like can't you just say something was good like, like it was good why do you have to like pick the one two minute moment that wasn't perfect and like just like you have to say it like it was a good date okay like just say it was good and I'm just remembering like little moments like that they're just funny now like you yeah oh Matt them. Matt used to call me out on that it's like why can't you just let yourself be happy like whatever yeah whenever we're having a good time you come in having to highlight something yeah <laughs> like, I'm gonna highlight the 30 seconds that you're anxious and you're forgetting about the three hours of fun yeah. that we have like why is that the thing we're harping on like we had a great time like it's just it's just funny yeah so it's those of us with an anxious leaning brain also are very like hard on ourselves and perfectionistic and so it's it's a very helpful reminder to have an outside mirror saying like 
you're doing great. We're good. We're okay. Like, look at, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, here's all the other stuff. When your brain is just wanting to zero in on the one little thing or the fact that you had a thought or the fact that you had a trigger and you're like, ah, I'm beating myself up. So to be like, yeah, but look at how different it is this time or look at how much more quickly we worked through it. So like highlighting yeah, the areas of growth are just so, so huge. Yeah. So why don't we wrap up with each of you just sharing a little, what is something that you would say to a couple who is in a similar situation as you, whether it's no matter what partner has, has what, but what would you say to a a couple that's kind of in the beginning stages of this? I, I would say if you feel like, like, you know, we, we had a really good, like you, we could sense our friendship, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we, we like, we could sense our friendship and regardless if we never had the honeymoon phase, which we never did. Um, if you can view ROCD and ask the person who has the anxiety, if you can view it as a tool and as a, as a, as a, um, oh, what do you, what do you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As the vessel to somewhere that you probably would have gotten to anyways through some other hardship in your life, because it's a universal, like spiritual mm-hmm. good thing. If you can view it as that, um, and accept it and like have some grace and welcome it in a little bit you're just going to be so much better off than resisting it and beating yourself up and cursing it that would be my advice for the person who has it um my advice would be as the person who is on the other end um my advice would be to take care of yourself and, you know, when you need to, like, do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy and surround yourself with, with good people. Um, but if you're up for the challenge, it is the most fulfilling, refining thing you could ever do in your entire life. And as someone on the receiving end of it, I can genuinely, genuinely say I would not change anything about this journey at all. I'm thankful for RSCD. It is like the reason I am married. I don't know that I'd be married right now if you, if I didn't meet Dylan in the place he was in. And I just there is absolute hope for like a really, really, really fulfilling real relationship in this world of like feelings and, and fake and, and change. And there's, if you want lasting love, like this is, this is one way to, to get it. And it's, it's the, I would say it's the same opportunity for a little mini mini ego death as the person who has RCD. It is it's literally the same vessel. 
just in a different form. Yeah. It's very, very similar growth, just on different ends of the wow. Yeah. And and the other the other thing, the other thing I would say too to last thing is stop comparing yourself to other people. Yes. And other relationships. Stop asking your friends. Stop like I it's really hard especially in the Christian realm to like talk to your spiritual mentors or people you really respect about it. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing is, it's just not. Yeah. Like everybody's relationship is so nuanced. Mm -hmm. It's yep. not, even though when they talk about it, it might seem like a universal truth. It's not. Yeah. And at the end of the day, no matter how good your relationship starts or you know yeah it every relationship is going to hit a moment where a choice has to be made like every single one and um so yeah just I would look at it with an open heart and a humble spirit and just a crash course for learning love for what it, I think it's always been designed to be which um is really hard to come by in this culture that we're in so yeah. Reminds me of Richard Rohr in The Naked mm -hmm. Now. Have you read mm -hmm. that one? Yes, I think I, I think I have. Yeah. So yeah. like great love and great suffering are the two catalysts for yes. like yes. awakening or salvation or yep. growth, yeah. spiritual growth. I'm misquoting him a bit, but it's like relationships give us the opportunity for both. Yeah. We're faced with great suffering with with ROCD or whatever the challenge is and the opportunity for really great love. And those two things combined, it's just like the most, it is the most intense crash, like spiritual crash force totally. that you could ever go through. It really is. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's, I see, I see relationships as spiritual practice. Totally. Yeah. Like it's an ongoing practice it's a devotion it's um it's ritual it's yep. every time i come up against these things in my relationship that's my opportunity to deepen that spiritual practice yep. yeah and i think even so going true. back to the you know the christian upbringing and it's like a whole message of christianity really is like the sacrifice like the love the suffering the love that the suffering represents and and kind of gives birth to and why have we like watered down our christian relationships to be these like lovey-dovey feeling things where spiritual like, bypassing in another yeah where god just like it's 100%. this warm fuzzy thing all the time that god gives you like no biblical love honestly sucks like it hurts <laughs> <laughs> it does. And so like, I think it's a really interesting opportunity too for Christians to kind of like really reevaluate what love is actually supposed to be and supposed to look like. And because I do think we, we like to spiritually gloss over it as if it's this, this thing that's supposed to make us happy and give us joy and make us feel good and all these things. And it's actually not necessarily supposed to do that. Love is there's a lot of suffering involved in love. Um, like you said, Dylan, it's an ego death over and over. over. Yeah. The big cosmic spanking. Like, yep. Yeah. 
It is a cosmic spanking. That's it a great is. way to put it. I love that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's not a full ego death. Like, I don't think that ever really happens. No. Unless no. You're, I still uh, got ego on lock. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're like still a real there. practicing monk that's like 80. Yeah. <laughs> It ain't, it's probably, it's probably not for them either, but yeah, it's a good little mini one. Yeah. Oh, you guys, this was the best conversation ever. Thank and you I, so much. I want to like, oh my God, I want to like blast this episode from the rooftops of the world. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, Chelsea, thank you so much. Yeah. Like for all the work yes. you did with Dylan and you did a session with us too. I tell people about it where you actually physically had me act out how Dylan makes me feel. And then he had to act out what I had acted out and like physically stepped in my shoes. It was the cringiest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was very <laughs> powerful, very impactful. And I, this man is a night and day human from when we first started our journey together. And I know that you're, you speaking such life in his situation, mm-hmm. our situation it meant so much. So thank you for the work that you've done for the work you've inspired him to start doing. And it's just like, it's really, really impactful. So I just want to on recording so everyone can hear me. This is, this is legit. Thank you so much. Your work means a lot. Oh, I'm receiving that. I feel like receive, receive. <laughs> tingles in my heart space. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you so much. That literally like when you guys invite me to your wedding, I don't think you understand how <laughs> moved i was by that and i was like oh, i can't believe you came we were so not, yeah. i was we not missing that we for the like, world yeah i moved my trip to hawaii because of this i was like oh my oh, god fuck hawaii i'm going <laughs> so oh, i'm just oh, i love you guys so much i told matt earlier I was like, I'm dylan and emily they're my <laughs> yeah love it love so it. i'm i'm gonna give can i give your your work a little shout out Dylan yeah your new venture yeah. so Dylan has started an Instagram to share about his experience being a man with ROCD because like he said before a lot of it is women speaking to this experience and I think there's a lot more shame and stigma that men experience when it comes to mental health so he has started an Instagram talking about his journey and what has helped him and it's at obsessed with the one yeah yep like all one word, no dots yep. or underscores. I'll put it in the show notes as well. So you guys can find him, support him, connect with him. Um, I'm so, I'm like a proud mama bear. Yes. <laughs> and Emily's a badass songwriter. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> Go. Uh, give us your Instagram handle. Oh, no, you don't need that. It's, it's, I'm going to put it in. I'm she won a Grammy. She won a Grammy. <laughs> She's a Grammy winning songwriter. <laughs> proud husband proud husband yes i'll um, put her at emily wise band you can see my shenanigans on there but i'm a lot less impactful than obsessed with that is not true <laughs> i save oh. it for the songs you know music like literally saved my life when i went through a oh, breakup years ago. so like that's um, her song the the when i broke up with her she wrote a song the first time when i broke up with her she wrote a song called the way i say goodbye and it is the greatest ha- yes it is like if someone yeah. breaks up with you this is the way to act to get them back because <laughs> she really made me rethink my decision for a long time 
That's right, she did. Yeah. That's right, she did. <laughs> All right, I love you guys so much. Yes, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I will talk to you later. All right, okay. bye. Bye-bye.